Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Grammarly Premium. Get your one-month free trial. Links in the description down below. I am using Grammarly Premium, and I find it is very fantastic. It uh, helps with uh, any effective documentation or any reports that I've got to use. So get your one-month free trial of Grammarly Premium. Also, you can get three months free trial of Amazon Music Unlimited. All you need to do is click on the link to my website to find out more for today's episode. Welcome to the Stephen Shields radio show today. I've got uh, Puneet back on the show. Happy New Year, Puneet. Happy New Year, Stephen. And uh, what's what are your plans for 2021? Uh, we've got some... Some big projects out in the pipeline, as uh, we talked about last time, you know. We're going to be launching the Dragon Rock interface for sort of all-in-one stop shop for mobile applications, uh, websites, web apps coming out pretty soon. So, you know, anyone interested should be a lookout for that. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that sounds very exciting. And what's what's the, uh, how much work have you been putting into this new project with iBack? Oh, tons and tons, man. That's been the main focus lately. So we've had a few articles that we're actually going to launch. And uh, so we actually got a timer on there. And then we've been putting on so much focus on to this new project that we kind of ran out on that. And we're still going, now. Nah, you know what, let's finish this because this is going to be the one that's going to bring the most value to customers and users and anyone just thinking about starting a website. So we've just been putting it there. And yeah, we hope to launch it uh, maybe end of Jan, end of Feb, something like that. Ah, this sounds very exciting. How many hours a day are you working on this project? Well, about eight hours a day. And I mean, eight hours a day, I say, but because uh, it is it is my company and it is, you know, something that I'm enthusiastic about. So I do end up putting in something like 12 to 14 hours frequently. Mm. How do you schedule your 12 to 14 hour day and make it pro- actual productive work instead of uh, lousy work? Well, I think the key for me is, you know, what I'm working on. If, if I'm enthusiastic about it, if I, if I like it, you know, if I'm passionate about it, um, I don't get tired. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I'm working on something that I'm less happy with, I, I tend to cut my hours back down to six hours only because mm. I know that. I shouldn't be putting in any, like, even a single minute if I'm not going to be productive for it. Because mm. otherwise, that's a minute wasted that I'm never getting back. Mm. And, you know, no work has been done or no good work has mm. been done. See, there are things that I, I hate doing uh, at Shields Productions, and that's marketing. And then I only schedule one hour a week for free right. advertising. Because uh, yeah, Isn't that better, though? Yeah. Like, I've observed that when you're like, when you make it short, it's you're at least able to tell your brain, yeah, deal with it. You got to focus just for an hour. Yeah, you know, we're in the go zone for just one hour. That's it. it. Makes it easier. You know, and I schedule that, uh, say, one day a week in, on 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 my calendar, <laughs> Microsoft calendar. Yeah. You know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learnt as an entrepreneur, you got to schedule your your week. Uh, you can't cram everything into one day, and I've made that mistake myself. And if I do that, get frustrated, get tired, cranky, yeah. as well. You know, 
because I hate marketing. I ugh, to me, it's it's a nightmare. But one hour a week yeah. is enough to do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. Um, <clears throat> no, I've actually <clears throat> forgetting forgetting his name now. But uh, mm. the, so the, <clears throat> the founder of LinkedIn. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, I think that's something in my throat. <clears> throat. Right, the founder of LinkedIn. I forget his name right now, which is kind of bad. But uh, he he actually said that you know when you're an entrepreneur, when you're a startup, uh, when you're in this you know headspace of, of of taking your business somewhere, taking your idea and making it real. Uh, he he said that you know you're you're wearing multiple hats, and that's that's a given. Mm. You know, even though you hire outside help. You're not never really taken off the hat until you hire someone full time. Mm. You know, and even then, you need you still need to know what's going on in your own company. Mm. And he, according to him, he's basically saying, you know, when he when he started LinkedIn, and, you know, he was communicating with uh, startups and other people. He realized that when you stop worrying about too many things at the same time, you don't actually make up any progress. Mm. But he's like, when you're doing one thing, even if you don't like it, just do that one thing. Reduce your time on it, or find a way to reward yourself for it. Mm. But just do that one thing mm. instead of having to, you know, like jump around in multiple spaces, mm. and that's gonna like get that thing done. Mm. Which I think is pretty good. Like I was reading up about him uh, the other day, and I was like, oh, that's pretty impressive and pretty good advice in my opinion. Who was the founder of LinkedIn? I I forget his name. That's what I said. Uh, Jeff something, John something. I really forget his name. I can Google that right now for us. Founder of LinkedIn. Now, for the audience out there, Puneet, what's LinkedIn mainly used for? LinkedIn is a, is a very, very useful tool um, for profession, uh, like professional connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, funny you should bring that up because I've, I've been meaning to sort of do like a little like a webinar or something, something to sort of show users that, especially startups, you know, that mm. LinkedIn is not a, a like second Facebook, you know, and, and I think a lot of people tend to get confused, especially if you're new to LinkedIn. Mm. It, it's, it's, it, is a, it is a social networking site for businesses, you know, it, it, so yes, there's a social network aspect to it, but it's, it's not supposed to be for your cat photos, you know? Mm. Um, and I've actually, you'd be surprised how many, uh, newcomers to LinkedIn you'll see, they'll be posting things like, I had such a great day at work today, or, you know, <laughs> feeling blessed and this and that. And you'll see that the people who are very geared towards networking and, you know, really excelling their business, they tend to like stay away from making connections with those people. Yeah. One of the mistakes I've made in my <laughs> early days of LinkedIn, I thought I'd post something positive. Like, oh, yeah. going to the movies after doing volunteer work, but, you know, you, te- you tend to learn these stuff. Turns out what Google says is uh, Reid Hoffman, Constantine Gurick, Gu- Alan Blue, Jean Luc Valant are the, f- co- are the founders of LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the quote I'm quoting is from uh, Reid Hoffman. Yeah. No, I I don't use LinkedIn much because I feel for my company I'm focusing more on Facebook and Instagram as a musician, but I sort of use Twitter every now and again. Have you used Twitter before? I I, I actually haven't. I'm, despite being in the sort of IT industry, I am mm. a very, I, I'm a, you know, like a, a wallflower when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to sort of social media. Um, I guess perhaps I was a little bit paranoid from the get-go, mm. you know, with all this being in IT and, you know, you read about how, how this data collection and stuff works. And so I guess I was always a bit sort of, you know, skeptical about going there and, you know, putting on my, putting out my thoughts and my photos and this and that. And then I realized as I, as I went more into the business area and then more into marketing, especially that these tools are, are not optional, you know, these are not like, oh yeah, it's good to have, it's, it's a necessity at this stage, mm. you know, because without them, you, you kind of find yourself as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, lacking some tools, like even politicians are having, you know, Twitter accounts everywhere, you mm. know, ScoMo has one, um, 
Trump has one, Biden has one, mm. everybody has one. So, and it's, it's a very good medium to sort of reach out to people and, you know, get mm. your thoughts out right. Instead of it being muddled by media mm. or, or, you know, miscommunicated in translation or something, you know, it's better to just directly from your own head into the, uh, like the platform. It's a really good sort of, you know, uh, provider of that that type of conversation with your customers. Mm. Uh, but I tell you what, though, Stephen, I, I do use LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and it's it's also very very useful. Mm. But it's it's useful in sort of like a different direction, like uh, when you're communicating. So I've actually had a few connections through LinkedIn where startups have come to me, mm. uh, discussing their problems. Sometimes they just want to talk about it. They don't really want to. Um, because they, you know, it's possible they don't have the capital to invest. They don't have, you know, they're indecisive or they're in the very early stages where they're not sure. Mm. Um, and you know, sometimes I have an effort to tell them, going, you know, guys, we really need you to figure this out. Don't, don't start spending money immediately on, on tools. Mm. You know, first figure out your foundation. But yeah, it's not like always, you know, you're gonna run into your customers there, but you're gonna talk to a lot of interesting people who are gonna give you a lot of interesting ideas about your business as well. Mm. And it really builds a community and, you know, I actually had uh, a connection who, who who just because we had a nice chat and, you know, had, had that sort of connection and, and that mm. relationship, uh, he basically sends me customers that he gets because he, he does uh, financial advice. Mm. I suppose uh, I've... I've I don't use LinkedIn anymore. It really hasn't worked out for me uh, in my industry. I'm I'm concentrating on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Sometimes I'm on the Twitter (laughs) as well. But uh, I wanted to mention Twitter has like a word count as well. Um, You can only use so many characters on Twitter and uh, so many hashtags at one time. But I'm finding... Twitter's more American-based. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, um, like, like I said, I'm not one. I have a Twitter account now, but I'm not one that sort of tweets all the time. In fact, I don't think I've ever tweeted once. Mm. And, yeah, like, so I'm, I'm still very new to the whole social media. I mean, I had a Facebook, mm. um, and then that was pretty much it for me. And then recently, I you know I started an Instagram account because I needed to do that for Ibac, you know, for marketing. Yeah. Instagram, you know, Instagram. Uh, what else? Twitter, Facebook pages, LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn has pages too. I think they're quite useful as well. Mm. And they give you like lots of interesting data. And I think something else I have. Obviously, my marketing person is the one sort of looking after that stuff at this moment. But uh, yeah, so I kind of got that. But I don't know. I mean, I've. I can't speak much about Twitter, but I ha- I do know that I've got some people, like I've got some friends around the world. So it's I know Twitter is very very popular in India. Mm. I know it's quite popular, I think, in in like England and European countries. Mm. Obviously, it's extremely popular in America. I don't know much about Australia because I uh, some of my Aussie mates, I know they don't have Twitter and they don't see the need to get it. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you're right. I guess maybe it isn't as popular, but again. I wouldn't be the best person to comment on its popularity since I don't use it myself too much. No, look, I've found with Twitter, I like it. Um, I follow some famous people on my personal one, and I've got a Shields Productions Twitter page as well. So occasionally uh-huh. I tweet about any of my work that I've published. I've, I'm finding, yeah, Instagram's good because I can constantly update my story all the time as well. Yeah. And keep people uh, uh, on board and always, you know, updating the highlight reel. Um, I'm even yeah. doing a, a live stream, just me of writing music for my next album. And it's a series that will go on my IGTV. So it's showing people behind the scenes on what I'm doing. What uh, has been your experience with Instagram? Um, my, my experience with Instagram has been, it's been little, like I said, but I have used it and I think it's quite useful. Mm. Um, and here's a bit of sort of free marketing advice to your audience. Mm. Uh, what I learned from my marketing expert. Uh, so what they told me is 
that Instagram is extremely useful when you want to sort of, it's more about show, don't tell. Yeah. You know, the whole, a picture is worth a thousand words kind of thing. Mm. Oh, whereas Facebook, you can sort of show and tell. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, lately we've invested quite a lot of money into um, getting like graphics designers to design custom graphics for us for mm. iMac um, information. You know, so we're, so for us, what we're doing is we're sort of showing people the benefits of various programming languages. You know, at what stage they should be considering getting software solutions. You know, um, basically giving value mm. to to customers um, who who really obviously are just starting out or are in a, in, a, in a confused state. Like where they've hit maybe some success and now you know the growth has sort of stopped or come to a, a halt and it's you know stagnant. And it's at that point you know when you start really needing to get to you know look into other avenues to progress your growth. Mm. So it's really aimed towards them. And it, it gives them some really good, valuable advice, which, which you know, not necessarily that, hey, come to us, but whatever you do, this is the stuff you need to be looking out for, mm. kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very, and it's, it's, the infographics are designed to be easy and straightforward so that common people can understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not aimed towards IT people. And, I think it's a really good medium for that. Mm-hmm. You know, ability to convey messages in very easy to interpret and understand images, mm. basically. Yeah, I mean, Instagram too. I remember uh, you could do a live stream on Instagram, but then it would it you'd share it to your story for twenty four hours. But now you can actually share it to your IGTV, so it's up there forever. Uh, it's pretty cool that they've done that as well. But I think with Instagram, uh, you can't use like live streaming software because I use StreamYard to do my Facebook live streams. Uh, Instagram hasn't set up uh, a platform where you can live stream to that as well. So if I if I'm going to live stream to Instagram, I have to use my iPhone. Um. You know, you got other platforms like Twitch as well. That's more for right. streaming video games. And yeah, you occasionally yeah, get podcasters. Do you do live streaming at iBack? Uh, no, actually, not yet. But we are sort of talking about it. Mm. And we are thinking of putting, not necessarily live streams per se, but, you know, long sort of explanatory videos about certain topics onto YouTube. Yeah. And we might eventually do live stream, but what I personally, my philosophy, what sort of works for me is, um, things like a webinar. Yes. It's, it, you know, it can be open so that as many people can join, um, which I, which I think is fantastic because then what you end up with is a whole bunch of people part- actively participating in a conversation. Mm. And I know obviously you can have comments and, and stuff in, in a live feed but it's it's i believe it might be a little bit more difficult but again that just could that would just be my inexperience with with facebook live or instagram live um you know streaming the videos and stuff mm, mm. but uh, so it's definitely a very useful tool there's there's no denying that mm. it, it enables you to connect directly with your customers so yeah we might we might consider that in the future but yeah, no, it's definitely very useful, and I'm pretty sure it's useful for people like you because, you know, I, I see that your model is more about directly connecting to customers as, as quick and as, as, as efficiently as possible. Mm. So, yeah, I think for you it's a very, very useful tool. Yeah, I've been uh, I'm starting to live stream on my Facebook page for the Stephen Shields radio show two, two, day, two nights a week and uh, getting people to send me some questions as well and getting to wanting to have a conversation with them on on the on the show the hardest part i think in the beginning is when you don't have the followers it's very hard to yeah push the stream out there and keep actually keep a conversation going for one hour when you're doing it by yourself it's i've found for my live streaming i have to prepare it just get a pen and paper and just dot point what i'm going to talk about you know yeah but I suppose as time goes on and get better, it'll just 
flow more easy. I, I think that's the same thing too. If you're going to do webinars, Pune, you, you oh, absolutely. prepare it in advance. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which is which is the main thing. I, I, I think that's, I guess, one of the reasons why I prefer webinars is mm. you get like a lot of time to sort of advertise about it. And yeah. then if you don't get as much customers or, or participants in it, you can end it sooner. You can go... All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. You know, you know, I'm glad we've answered all your questions. Mm. You know, and if no one has any more questions, you finish up your 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 notes and stuff, and then you can end it sooner. Yeah. And I've seen really professional, really really well followed people during COVID times because they may not get as many people as they had hoped. Mm. You know, because there were so many webinars going on at the same time. Uh, and they'll like these people are really really professionals and even then sometimes you know you'll find them that there were only 10 people viewing them so once the questions are exhausted mm. even though it's a three hour webinar the questions are exhausted by like say one hour yeah so end it, like at one you know one hour and a half yeah because i've found webinars there it's a lot of information at one at one time and i find if i'm going to watch a webinar uh, i just say one or two webinars a week because it's a, it's oh, yeah. a lot to take in at once absolutely i prefer, I prefer the ones that give you the recordings yeah i've i i don't like doing online courses because i just tune out I, I need to do like listen to it audio and you mm. know while I'm at the gym, I can put it on, and I find yeah. I retain it better. But I wanted no, to. I definitely like to revisit the material too. So yeah, I really, really prefer it when they go. Here's exactly what you need. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to say with scripts. Now I don't use a script because it's just too time consuming to write it out. Um, and I find it it just gets a bit dull. Do you use a script? If you're going to use a uh, do a webinar, or are you just going to talk? I'm really not a script man. Yeah. Um, but I, I am a notes man. I will have notes for myself. You know, yep. going. I'll talk about this topic, then I'll talk about this topic. Mm. But I like. I don't think there's anything wrong with scripts in general because mm. you, you are right. Uh, if you are sort of a very script oriented person, if I was a script oriented person, mm. I again, obviously, I'm not. So my opinion could be a bit wrong. Mm. But I've observed that script-oriented people could get, um, sometimes, uh, find themselves in a position of, if something goes wrong, mm. you kind of get flummoxed. Mm. They're trying to get back to the script and, and, you know, carry on from where they were. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're not a script-oriented person, I guess that's less of a problem since you're sort of, you know, going off the top of your head and just sort of loosely following the points. Yeah, because what I what I learned when I was in university, lecturers they don't use scripts. They're they're talking from the top of their head as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. But when you watch yeah, a, watch a TV show like say Channel Ten News, I do you think that's all scripted? Like they're actually reading a script? Well, yeah, I I, I do because they do have the prompters. Um, yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying like every single thing that the host talks about is scripted it could like i'm sure that he can remark here and there but i do believe it's scripted mm. i tell you something funny uh there's something positive about a script i'll tell you a little funny story mm. so once t- one time we were um i was working on an app for a customer and i had to then do like a rec- recording where mm-hmm. i demonstrate how the app works so iphone has a screen record option mm-hmm. and so I start the app and, you know, I'm showing how it works and what it does and it's all going well. And then uh, what happens is, like, I realize, I find myself that I've finished the whole demonstration in 15 seconds mm. since it was a very complicated app. And I was a developer who knew exactly what everything did. Mm. So I found myself finishing it in like 10, 15, 20 seconds. Mm. And it became really, really hard for me to drag it out so I would explain every single core feature mm. and so then I had to like I really had to sit down and like write a script for myself and I even actually on the piece of paper actually wrote down how much pauses I should take mm. at what point you know just to fill in the gaps because I, I thought you know anything less than like say five minutes or 
you know, three to five minutes, it's just not enough. It's not going to be able to help the customers mm. understand what all the features we provide. So, yeah, no, I think I, you're right. In those situations, it's really, it's pretty intense. Like, if you if you watch Doctor Phil on TV, I, I don't think he'd he'd be using a script. I mean, he's no, no, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that they have writers. Yeah, but I think it's mostly about like okay, talk about. I think it's because that's different. I think because like that's like daytime mm. show kind of thing. Wherein you know, if you watch someone like um Stephen Colbert or mm. you know uh, Trouble or uh, Trevor Noah, it, they're very. They're very, uh, what do you call it, the spontaneous people. And so, as a result, they know, you know. And they've been in front of television. They were stand-up comedian. Like, they've got, you know, comedian careers to fall back on. So, they're, they're not, you know, they're not sort of, they're not going to get the shock of public speaking. Mm. And if you're okay with that, I'm a little bit like that, where I've never been sort of scared of public speaking. I've always wondered what's the big deal. Mm. And so as a result, it's, you know, I can find myself in, in most situations and I might fumble, I might make a mistake, mm. but I'm able to recover and just carry on. Mm. Wherein in the news, I guess it becomes a little bit more challenging. So yeah, I don't think Dr. Phil, because they've been on television for years now. Mm. They, maybe I guess when they started and it was like the first big thing, they might've been nervous. But I guess at this point, after so much, so many years, you know, so much experience, mm. It'd be like, you know, taking a walk in the park. Yeah, it would have been like that for the Oprah Winfrey show as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and then you got another show called The Doctors. Uh, that that's, that usually... That, that, that was another American uh, doctor show after Dr. Phil. It, uh, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think they use scripts. They're too clever for that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I mean look, think about it like this, you know, if... If I ask you music-related questions, you don't need a script to ask them. Like, we're having a conversation right now. If you ask me anything about IT or whatever, mm. and that especially that I'm working with, I don't need a script to answer your question. I have the knowledge to, mm. you know, be able to communicate that. Mm. And it's, it's the same thing I would say with, with people just talking about their own fields. So as long as you have the knowledge in the area, don't think you need a script that much. No, because I've tried a script... Uh for some of my YouTube videos, and it was just, just time-consuming, Pornate. Too much. Too much work. You know? Yeah. But, um... I mean, if my if if marketing person heard you say that, I, I, I swear to God, their skin would literally crawl. You know, they'd be like, out for your blood. Mm. <laughs> They're big scriptwriter fans. They're like, oh yeah, we need to write scripts when it comes to YouTube videos. Yeah. No, that's fine. <laughs> No, because there are YouTubers out there that uh, will use scripts, but that's just me. It's too much. No, of course, of course. I mean, I to each their own. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, it's just, yeah, I do understand what you're saying. Um, I like I to... totally agree, because I'm one of those guys that, that probably couldn't follow a script, because mm. I'm pretty sure if I if you gave me a script and I made a mistake, I would then be fumbling to go back to where I was. Mm. You know, yeah. I... A lot of actors use scripts uh, as well, but then they've got to memorize their lines too. Mm. Yeah. No, actually, that's that's really funny because uh, there's a there's an Indian show that mm. was really popular, very very witty, very you know, cut and dry humor. Um. So it was it was quite it was quite sophisticated uh, for its time, and I grew up sort of watching that. And then they were sort of coming back. They were doing like a you know, we're coming back tour. And one of the, the sort of very sharp person who actually wrote the show and directed it, uh, he's not a very sort of, you know, fly by the, the seat of my pants kind of guy. Mm. And we were watching an interview and the host and then the star of the show was basically saying, oh, welcome, welcome, come in and, you know, talk about your successes and stuff. And he's just like, you know, oh, don't ask me questions off the script because, you know, I'm not going to be able to answer them. I'm good. And, you know, you can see that this person was an introvert, but you don't really see that when, it, when he, you know, when he's on the when he's on the screen. Mm. He's he's super sort of charming and he's got that. He's got his eccentric uh, eccentricities around him. And you, you'd think that, oh, this person must be absolutely, uh, you know, outgoing and to be able to perform like that. But then when you actually see him with that script, you realize that he's just just a very normal person. Uh, and, and maybe a little bit of an introvert. Mm. 
So it's surprising to see that, isn't it? It's you think that oh, that this person is uh, you know very very. You're looking at people on YouTube and you think oh, these must they must be really really extroverted to be able to make these videos and you know talk about all these things. Mm-hmm. But it, the truth might just be very very different. Mm. No, exactly. You know, it's uh, yeah. I mean, each to their own, Pauline. Yeah, you know. absolutely. But I wanted to say, like, uh, you know, technology's come so far, and we have uh, the five G network now on the new mm. iPhones. Now, I've been hearing that five G is no good for your health. Now, you're in IT. What's your opinion on five G? <laughs> oh my God! Where do I start? Ah. Uh... No, see, I've heard the rumors too, but I I haven't myself looked into too much of the 5G technology or anything like that. And look, waves, I'm not going to definitely say, oh, there's there's totally no credit to any of it, Mm. but it's, it's like, it's like saying, you know, when you use wireless headphones, the waves that come into your head are not really good for you. Mm. And that's true. But does that mean you stop using mobile phones altogether? <laughs> you know? Um, it's like everything in proportion. It's like it's not as bad for you. It's like, and, you know, we're still working on technologies to improve that so that it's mm-hmm. not as bad for you. Or maybe in the future we'll come up with technology where it's not bad for you at all. So where is you know, this? come a long way, but 5G, is it, it's, it's not like it's not going to be the end of the world. And I've seen that. I've seen people panic about that. I saw a video where... Someone was saying, oh, as soon as you turn the switch on, I'm going to just pass out. And no, I, I, I promise you, you're not going to pass out, mm. you know. And if you do, well, so will everybody else. So, you know, you can't really come and strangle me. So, <laughs> But uh, no, it, it's, uh, no, it's not bad for you. I don't know where these rumors get so much attention. Mm. But no, 5G is actually a really useful technology uh, if you just look at it from a technological point of view. Now... Like I said, I haven't looked too much into it, but from what I read in an article, what you could also do... Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. 5G potentially is, if we were in range, I could call you and I would never need to go through like a mobile tower. Mm. My phone would directly call your phone. They're kind of like a walkie-talkie system. So that's what they try to do, like a like a satellite system. No, not, not like a satellite. Um, think of it like a big web. Yeah. You know, and if, if you are too far away, you have to go to like another point, which is like a mobile cell tower or something. Yeah. But if you're in range, it just skips that step, making internet transfer and everything very much faster. Mm-hmm. Because I'm on, um, I've got the new iPhone SE that uh, came out, and I love the SE. I've got 128 gigabytes of memory, and I'm on 4G network, and that works fine. Uh-huh. I'm very happy. The 5G, is there is there a difference, or is it just faster internet? It is, it is, it is faster, and I, like I said, there are some technological advances to yeah. it. Um, I haven't much looked into it, but as far as the speed is concerned, we always need more speed. Because mm. um, if, you, if you really think about it, like you were saying, you know, technology has made a lot of progress over the years. And because of it, um, you know, if you remember, like the first computer or the not the first, but the, the very massive computer made by 
IBM back mm. in the day was uh, like the size of your car or bigger. Mm. And I think it had a, a huge memory, according to them, of like 500 kilobytes. Mm-hmm. You know, and today, uh, you know, that wouldn't even be a Word document. A Word document could be more, mm. possibly. So, you know, you have to realize that as technology gets more sophisticated, as, uh, you know, phone applications, uh, videos, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, live streaming, all of that gets more complicated and better mm. in, in quality and stuff. You have to, you're going to need better transfer rates. Otherwise, you, you're going to, you do you remember the early, early days of the internet and someone trying to call you on Skype? Mm. Or other video chat software, and there was so much buffering. Like you would hear the sound first, and then see the lips move, or still, the other way around, or the screen would freeze. You know, still does that today. Sky. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's more on your internet I yeah. would say, than anything else. But no, but it, exactly. So we want to tackle those problems, don't we? It's like mm. you, you're right. I mean, technically, technology could have ended with post office. Mm. <laughs> you know, we could have <laughs> just gone, yeah. I get my mail in like three days. I'm totally okay with it. And hey, it worked for so many years. Yeah, I'm still... We obviously want to get better at it. I'm still old-fashioned. I like my uh, bills in the mail, please, and go to the post office. You know, I don't like... I'm the same, yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't like direct debiting things. Now, with... See, now we've got Skype, uh, Zoom... Google Hangouts, but I'm finding out of the three, Zoom is better for some reason than Skype. Skype Zoom, Zoom is definitely um, more professional if you're using the professional, like if you're using Zoom free version and Skype free version, Zoom is the professional medium. Mm. And uh, I think you're right. I have observed that Zoom is better, especially if you're sort of doing presentations mm. and, and stuff. Uh, I know there's Microsoft Teams, and apparently that's also very good. I haven't used it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Google Hangouts, I used a while back, a few years ago, so I don't know what's happening, what's new there. Mm. But I think Skype is more for like, hey, hang out with your mates, chat with them, uh, so on, so forth, what have you. It's supposed to be this free medium for chatting with your friends, and, and not much more. Yeah. You can like do screen sharing and other stuff, but it's the free version of Skype isn't made for that. We're in Zoom is. But then it comes with limitations. You know, it's like you can't talk to more than one person for over 40 minutes. Mm. And, you know, you can record your meetings and a whole bunch of other stuff. It gives you out of the box, which is fantastic. So I guess because it is it is for commercial re- like use, it is going to be better. Mm. My experience with Skype, I tried to record a, a podcast, right, for an episode last week. I couldn't even download the audio from the video from Skype. Now, if I was to record a podcast on Zoom, it gives me the video and the audio. And the audio, absolutely. And and like I said, that's the whole commercial. But I think if you get, like, um, again, I'm not sure, I haven't used uh, Skype for business. But if you were to use that, I'd probably say that you'd get good uh, response. You should. Um, with that too, but uh, I mean, I don't know, I haven't used it. Yeah. But that one's, you know, for the whole business mind, you know, business oriented, it's for the business environment. So you might be able to get more features out of that one. What's the difference with Zoom? Because there's a free version and a paid version. Uh, so in software, what we call, what we say is, um, Okay, so I'll put it in, instead of going to software, I'll put it into your perspective. So, you know how you have some music that you have just out there on Spotify? Yeah. That technically anyone could download. Or yeah. you have some on YouTube that anyone could download, or, or at least view, right, as many times as they needed to. Yeah. And see how that one is, is there to let people know of the capabilities that you have. You know, your skills. So, if they then want to, uh, you know, get you to compose a certain amount of music or learn from you or, or do something else with, uh, you know, using your skills. That, that is like your advertisement banner, isn't it? Yeah. That's the same thing that we use in software and we've been doing that for, for years. You know, that's why we have the free trial version or trial version with a certain time limit. And 
you know, trial version of restriction. It's kind of the same thing that here's the software, here's a little preview of what all the things you'll be able to do, and there is more mm. if you pay for it. Mm. So that's pretty much the whole model of the free version of Zoom. Mm. <laughs> yeah, with Zoom on the free version, can you live stream to Facebook? Um, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I've never tried. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know about that, actually. See, I'm not sure if Zoom is for live streaming, though. I don't know. With um, live streaming, I tried to live stream, okay, to Facebook and Instagram on my personal hotspot at the same time, but the stream was uh-huh. shit. Could you tell me why it was crap, the stream? Um, well, there's a, there's a few reasons. Uh, one could be the software. Yeah. Um, but another could be your bandwidth. Yeah, bandwidth. How many? Yeah, how many people on your network? What's going on? Uh, also depends on what time of day you're doing it. Because internet. So let's say if you're working around the time of something like I don't know, uh, nine o'clock in the morning, mm. and the area that you're living in. Uh, depending on on the area, you could find yourself in a position where it's like so many people are on the internet mm. that it, it's just hogging up the, the, the bandwidth and, mm. and so whatever is coming through to you is just going to be slower yeah. so even YouTube videos you know are going to be of lesser quality they're not going to be HD mm. and and that's the same thing that you'd, you'd find with uh, uh, streaming because it all mm. depends on what you're doing how many users you have in the home how many of them are using the same modem mm-hmm. there's, there's a few things you know it's not always a simple answer of it's the software or it's the, you know, modem or if it's your internet provider, it could be, you know, anything. So if you look at, you know, NBN fans, they'll tell you, oh, we give you typical evening speeds of this. That's bullshit. And yeah, that's what they tell you, typical. So mm. if you're living in an atypical place, <laughs> you know, you're going to find yourself with, uh, with uh, worse off speeds mm. because well, that's what they don't tell you. We had... We had a thunderstorm about uh, this week, and we're on the NBN yeah. with Telstra. But because of that, we're on the backup modem because they give you two modems of it, and we're still still waiting to get on the you know the full broadband one. The weather's right. cleared up, so that's probably why the internet's better. But I found even on my Vodafone cellular data, it was slow. Now, when there's a storm, why does the internet slow down? Oh, uh, that's. That's because of uh, interference. So probably an engineering person is better to answer that. But um, yeah. simply put, the way that works is there's a few ways that the signals from your phone mm. basically go through walls and stuff. Yeah. And it's typically not usually going through objects, but rather around them. Mm-hmm. So it sort of just bounces off walls until it finds, like, you know, an opening and it just goes through there. So that's why if you enter like a very closed, you know, that's why if you go into shopping malls and you go deep into shopping malls, you'll find that your bars sort of get lower. Yeah, I've noticed that. And that's the same reason because the the signals from your phone, they just keep bouncing around indefinitely Mm. until they lose power. But why is it if I go to Sydney and I'm in the middle of Circular Quay, the internet's fast and I've got like four bars. Uh. that's the thing because it's an open space and the network uh, the rate like the signals can go to the tower and back pretty quickly but see if I'm okay on the in a train and it's uh, peak hour I find it slows down on my cellular cellular data network yeah because see other signals also interfere with your signals yeah and what we call that is noise and so in fact you could actually try it um you get like a, a frequency generator mm-hmm. that, that just pulses out different frequency uh, signals. And you put that near your phone, that's going to scramble your phone signal. It's not going to damage your phone. Don't put it too close. But it's still going to jam the signals. Um, so if you're, if you're familiar, um, you know, when you're doing the driver's knowledge test in, in NSW, mm. one of the questions is, is it okay to have a uh, jammer in your car, even if it's not on? What's and then a, the answer, you know, no, it's never okay. What's a jammer? 
a jammer what it basically does is it just sends out signals yeah in in multiple like frequencies at the same time in too many of them yeah and so when a when a policeman is there with his uh, speed gun that basically works on on signals too right it, it it hits your car and it bounces back and you know i'm not really sure how it works but i guess the time difference or something will tell them how quick your car was going yeah and what that thing does is it interferes with the the signals coming and going yeah and so they can't really predict your uh, your speed accurately. Are they illegal to have? They're definitely illegal. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, for for that purpose, I mean, jammers are useful in certain areas, I guess. Yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, so if you if you get one of those things, or if you, if you just get like something that just pulses frequent uh, different frequency uh, signals, you'll find that it's messing with your telephone signal too. Mm. It's just because of the way the the hardware and and waves sort of work. Mm. But like I said, uh, a hardware person, like a, an engineer, would be a really good person to explain this. But that's that's basically the gist of it. How how it basically works. Wow. Now, also too, there's technology out there that uh, you can listen to where the media on radio, satellite radios, uh, they can listen to where the police are. Do they work yeah. on the same sort of frequencies as well? They will, yeah. So everything sort of works. Anything that's wireless works on signals, and and then it works on a specific frequency. Um, and so yeah, technically, if you had a frequency modulator or whatever, you could, in theory, tap into that signal. Mm. But now it could be encrypted, and and that's a whole another can of worms. But mm. yeah, you could, in theory, if it's an unencrypted uh, communication thing, you could. You could, in theory, basically listen in on on, on radio waves. Is that illegal? Um, not necessarily. If it's unencrypted, then it's public. Now, if the police were going to listen into your phone calls, because they do this, but they they'll never tell you this. What what technology do they use? Oh, that is a very interesting question, isn't it? Mm. Now, here's the thing. I, again. I don't know if they do it. Like, I don't know if it's, like, as bad as movies and stuff make it out to me. <laughs> but in, in theory, yes, it is possible because, um, you know, you want to be sure that uh, there's no, you know, terrorist activities or anything going on. Yep. They might, if they suspect you, they might tap into it. Yep. What they probably do is just get the cell towers to, uh, you know, they'd have access to cell towers and they just get data from there. Mm. And since, you know, we all, like, all the companies operating within a nation has to answer to a nation, mm. they could then get the encryption key to be able to understand what's going on and what people are talking about. Yeah. But uh, I know in Australia, there's, uh, I'm not sure if that's still a law, but uh, someone t- someone credible told me once that there's a law that if you build a chat, chat app, uh, Australian government needs to have um, access to it mm. uh, in order to monitor uh, the chats going through to make sure that there is no uh, sort of illegal activities or, or more importantly, and it's nothing to do with national security. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm not again not not really didn't follow up on it, so I'm not sure if it's still a thing or if it was. But it's interesting. But uh, again, that doesn't apply to international company apps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I was watching a show called El Chapo. Have you heard of El Chapo? I think I have, but I'm not really sure what it is about. I was watching it on Netflix, and there was this scene where, like, it was the uh, it was the SAS were listening into his phone calls and tracking him. Do can authority like the Australian Federal Police actually do that? track you yeah actually funny you should mention that so a while back we actually uh when i was not not an ibac project but um just working for this company and we were experimenting with uh nsw police yeah working on um so what we were planning on doing was you know in in clubs and nightclubs and and other places Mm. where there's high drug activity Mm. um Setting up Wi-Fi points and giving free Wi-Fi access to people, mm. and 
But then when people connect to that with triangulation, so having two Wi-Fi spots connect to the phone, we can know exactly where the third person, like where the devices are. Yeah. And then just basically tracking known, uh, known people who basically known drug uh, drug dealers mm. and tracking their activities. We can we can see a pattern mm. in in the way they sort of communicate and and you know find their customers. And then feeding that data to like an algorithm, like an AI, that would then enable us to, uh, that would then predict and enable us to find other drug dealers mm. that we don't know about. That's so and cool. Potentially crack down on, on you know drug use and stuff in, in clubs and other places. Wow, that's that's amazing. Yeah. But what's a satellite phone? Because I know the police and the authorities they use a satellite phone. Now, what's the difference between a satellite phone and your and a normal phone? Well, uh, satellite phones are usually bulky. <laughs> That's the big one. What's that? Um, but uh, the the satellite phones, in theory, what they do is they connect directly to the satellites. Yeah. So they don't connect to cell towers. So even if you don't have, and I think those satellites are generally geocentric. Sorry, geostationary. I mean, um, so they're in the one spot on the Earth, mm. and and so go along with the rotation of the Earth. So they so they just stay in that one spot. And what it enables you to do is, even if you have no cell towers, you could still make phone calls mm. because it's going directly into the satellite, and then the satellite is beaming it down to where it needs to go. Mm. So, you know, you could use satellite phones in a lot more places. Mm than you would your regular phone. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with satellite phones, are they they expensive? They are quite expensive, yeah. Um, And, you know, they won't let you play Candy Crush, so... No. (laughs) Because... If yeah, you're, it's not really for the regular people. No, uh, if you watch that show, Outback Truckers, they're driving in the middle of the outback of Australia, right? Yeah. You'd be lucky if you can get at least one bar of Telstra in the oh, middle of oh, nowhere. Absolutely. Now, yeah, But I think they would have the truckers radio and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a satellite phone. You'd have to. Yeah, you'd need that. But there, I, I googled um, I googled a satellite phone. They're like a thousand, nearly $1,000. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and they're expensive. That is expensive technology to make and phone calls as well. I beg your pardon. And they're expensive to make phone calls oh, on them. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Far out. I mean, you got to think about it. That infrastructure has to be in space. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's going to be extremely expensive. So they're not really recommended for general use. They're only for you know if you're going out, staying to the outback really remote location and, and getting help might be say really impossible otherwise then you need a satellite phone but see the police the police if they contact you they ring you on a satellite phone and it's always a private number I, I don't think it's a satellite phone if they're calling you let's say if the NSW police is calling you for, yeah. for any reason I don't think it's coming to a satellite phone mm-hmm. it would be from like an encrypted phone but I, I don't think or they might even use private um, servers or whatever private uh, connection points, but mm. I don't think it would be, uh, you know, a satellite phone because it, it would be unnecessary in that point. It's like, you know, if I need to go from, you know, if I need to walk to 100 meters, I wouldn't get into a Ferrari. Mm. I'd just walk it. I've seen them when they patrol, they carry a satellite phone. I think those are just bulky phones. I don't oh. think they would be satellite phones. Oh, they look like. Um, Possible, I, I'm just guessing here, but uh, you see, in yeah. the in the rural fire service, we use radios. There's a GRM where all the media, uh, the whole place can hear it, and then you got your fire ground where it's only a certain range you can get a frequency in the sound. Yeah. And so we're taught on the radio to not chat as much as possible, especially on GRM ones, because everyone can hear what you're saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that how the sense. media get uh, recordings from last year's fire season out of those radios. Right, okay. Yeah, the no, ambulance, ca- uh, ambos carry them, uh, fire and rescue, even the police as well. Right. It's pretty no, cool. I, I, tell me something interesting. Mm. Even if you have no bars on your phone mm. and you need to say call the cops or something, yeah. or ambulance or whatever, 
your phone is capable to make those calls. So it can generate signals. Shit. Um, to, yeah. Like, I've never really used it to don't know much about it. I've read somewhere that your phones are capable of dialing emergency numbers. Mm. You can't really call your mates, but you can dial emergency numbers. And there is still a chance that you'll be able to reach them. It'd just be very bad, bad line. Yeah, but I mean, you know, as long as you made the call and you informed them of where you are, hmm. it's, it's better. Yeah, also too, Apple in their new iOS update put exposure notifications for the coronavirus. Yeah. And you yeah, can turn that on. Now, how does that work? Because I don't know, I don't have an idea how that you're going to get an exposure notification if someone was positive. Well, um, that's, I don't think Apple really deals with that themselves. What, what the way that would work is they'd be getting the data from a whole bunch of credit sources, like the government, mm. uh, hospitals, or WHO, amongst other things. And then they would get that aggregated data and they'd just be showing it to you. They wouldn't be collecting the data themselves. Yeah. And since, you know, you've opted in for that service and they're tracking where you've been, they can tell you that you've been into like a, a COVID, ex, uh, COVID exposed area. Mm. And so therefore they tell you to go and get yourself treated, mm. which, you know, what? Any, I think Android also does this. Mm. And it's one of the godsends of technology. Mm-hmm. It is such a useful thing um, that this exists because a lot of deaths could, I'm sure, have been prevented because of early testing. Mm. So it's fantastic uh, sort of piece of uh, application. I find it a bit weird because the government was trying to get people to download the COVID Safe app and the coronavirus <laughs> app, but I don't feel comfortable. I don't um, feel comfortable of the government knowing where my location is. Yeah, isn't it funny? I'll tell you though, because um, okay, so you've got say Google Maps, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Google Maps tracks you even when you're not sort of, um, you know, using the application. Now, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you, okay, so Google tracks you. Mm. Uh, you know now WhatsApp is actually start, it's not going to be an end-to-end, uh, I guess, uh, I'm not sure if it's still end-to-end encrypted, but now WhatsApp is going to start officially selling its data yeah. to Facebook uh, or sharing its data, not selling. And then Facebook will then do targeted advertising through WhatsApp to you. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Because I, I have to use WhatsApp for international interviews. That's that's how I can well, use I'd it. I'd probably say find another medium. Yeah. I, I don't use WhatsApp myself because ever since Facebook bought it, mm. I was like, I mean, I love Facebook as a company. But, you know, I, I don't need my chats. Fumbled through. So I use uh, more secure platforms. Uh, I've actually built my own application for yeah. chatting. So with all my friends and stuff, I use that app and mm. goes through my servers. I'm not necessarily saying that mine is the most encrypted stuff out there, but if it's my personal thing and who's really that interested in my life to really try and you know snoop around in it, mm. it at least protects the conversations I have with my friends and, and my family members. You know, from from knowing, you know, from being known to other people, well, and it is end to end encrypted, so it's yeah. that's still the same thing as, as WhatsApp. Now, because I use WhatsApp uh, on my website in case I've got customers internationally who want to contact me. Yeah. Um, I like WhatsApp. You can avoid it. Yeah. Um, I I use it to do interviews on the podcast, but you can actually back up your chats to it, and you can even delete your chat on WhatsApp as well if you don't want to. Yeah. Have your data there. Now, I thought I mentioned about that, and you've got applications on your phone called Find My iPhone, but you need mm. to have your location turned on for that. Yeah, absolutely you do. Oh, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's, it's, <laughs> do you want your phone, or do you want to give them your location? Mm. You know? And like, What's more important to you? For the and rural fire service, we have an app that... That's that's how we get a pager, but you have to have your phone location turned on to see where where we're going. You know, yeah, it makes yeah. it very difficult. But, yeah, and that, that sort of brings me to my my original point. You know, it's it's funny that you know uh, 
that people are like so paranoid when it comes to sharing their location with their own governments. Mm. And, you know, and then they're sort of willing to do it for some very minor benefits mm. to private companies mm. and and other people. And it's, it's sort of funny to me. It's like you ask someone, you know, oh, are you willing to share your information mm. with the government? They're like, oh, no, I don't want the government tracking me. Mm. But then they're like, do you use Google Maps? Yeah. Do you go on websites? Yeah. Mm. And Google, you know, even if you turn your location off, they still know where you are. Google, mm. Facebook, everybody. And the way they do that is uh, if you take your phone and you say come to my house and then you go on Facebook or forget Facebook if you go on a third party website but that has Facebook code on it mm. they will track you they know where you maybe they don't know exactly where you are but they know the general area where you are because well, well, the IP address on your phone will let them know even if you have your, your location turned off yeah even if you because your IP address is going to be based on where you're connecting to the internet from. Mm. See, and I, that is a fixed location. I've started using a virtual private network. Um, that would hide you. Yeah. That, that would hide you. But, you know, look, I, so we're actually in the process of a uh, product, building a product called the, the finance app. We're still working on a name. Yeah. Um, and what it's supposed to do is use a smart accountant, basically. Mm. It's going to keep track of your money and everything else. And it's going to have a unique AI where it's going to uh, track your spendings and earnings mm. and going to then be able to make a graph for you. To, if, the, if you wanted to buy something, you can just ask the computer mm -hmm. and go, do you think I can afford this? And then based on your previous spending and earning records, it will say, yeah. You can afford it, but then your budgets for the next coming, you know, weeks or whatever are going to be, uh, you know, impacted in a certain way. Yeah. And the whole AI kind of works, you know, in a manner that is, is so different from everything else that, uh, like, not even we can access your data or interpret it. Mm. So it's, it's designed in a way that it's never going to be human readable. Mm. Or it's never going to make sense to anyone but the AI. Very great show with you today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was really good talking to you. Where can people find IBAC and where can people find you on social media? So IBAC can be found on ibacoder.com. Yep. And if you want to look up uh, social media, just type up, you know, ibacoder and you will find it, you know, on Google searches and stuff. And, yeah, me personally, reach out to me on uh, Ponito Padia's, uh Facebook. I guess that's pretty much the only place I'm active. Beautiful. Thank you for listening to today's podcast with Pornit. Also, too, you can uh, get a free trial of Grammarly Premium. All you need to do is click on the link below. And thank you to Amazon Music Unlimited. Get you a free three-month free trial. All you got to do is click on the link to my website. I'll put the links in the description. Subscribe to my podcast. Turn on your notifications as well to get notified of new episodes. Also, too, if you'd like, you can send a donation to my GoFundMe page. This helps uh, keep the podcast going to upgrade any new equipment. Uh, you, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel and uh, also comment on the videos. Comments are very appreciated. I'm always open to any feedback that you have. Check out the latest single called Apocalypse on Spotify as well. So, uh, follow my Spotify channel. All the links are in the description. See you in the next episode.
Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'.